You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. All right, all right. Why don't you go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, as we continue our series, All Hands on Deck. All hands on deck. It's going to take all of us where the Lord is leading us. And so as you open up your Bibles, I brought something for you. I wanted to show you guys a gift that I got for Christmas. Can I show you? Uh Uh-oh. You guys look skeptical. Don't be skeptical. It's okay. It won't bite. Uh, But it is kind of funny. Uh, And so my dad, he's probably watching online. So dad, I love the gift. But I just want you to know, you don't know my dad, but he is the most random gift giver. Anybody have a dad like that? It's like, it's almost a joke where every year I'm like, I want to see what my dad got me because he never asks. My mom is like, what do you want? What do you need? Like, she's a student of her children. My dad's like, watch this. Bam. Last year, he got me a cooking apron that said, Cassis Casa. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm going to wear that, Dad. A cooking apron. You know, just just random. And he's so proud of it. And so this year, I, I laughed, right? Because not only did he get me a headlamp, he got me two of them. One for the front of my head. And one for the back of my head. And so I got this. I opened it up. I, you can ask my wife. I'm cracking up laughing. I'm like, why did he get me a headlamp? And so I text my dad. Dad, thanks so much. Love the gift, dot, dot, dot. What were you thinking? Um, like, why, why a headlamp? You know, and look at the features. I just want to show you my favorite blind view feature. So if cars are coming, what's more safe than to blind the driver so that way they can't see you? Um, my other favorite is the red one. Like, when I'm angry, it's kind of like a mood headlamp. You know, my wife came home the other day and I was wearing my red headlamp. I was like, don't even mess with me. You know, just, but I go, dad, what were you thinking? Like, why a headlamp? And I I should have read the text message to you, but it was like, what better thing to use when you're working in dark spaces or using tools in hard to reach spots where you don't have a free hand. And then here's the thing he said that made a lot of sense. He goes, or when you're running at night. And it hit me, oh, you see, I told my dad once that I love night running. Any, anybody enjoy, any runners? First of all, do you like to run? Okay, do you like to run at night? Okay, yeah, see, I, I enjoy night running. And so my dad's the kind of guy, be careful what you say, because he logged that. Your boy remembered that, and 11 months later, he's like, I know exactly what I'm going to get him for Christmas, a night running headlamp. But I told my dad, because it's true, I really do enjoy running at night, or, or in the dark, I should say, because it could be late at night, or I actually prefer early in the morning before the sun is up. And there's just something about cha, 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 just a pitter-patter of feet on the pavement. And it's quiet. And I run around my neighborhood. I run across into another neighborhood. And I have a routine. You see, there are, you don't, don't make fun of me, but, but there are certain houses that I love to run by. I know, it sounds like a stalker. Like, I'm running outside of your house right now. Watch out, he's running outside your house. But I just have these certain houses. And so there's four or five houses that I've said, these are my favorite houses. And so I've kind of mapped my run where I run to the first one. And I just, and then I kind of just hit a stretch, you know, while I just admire the house. You know, and I run to another one and I'm just, I'm just like stopping outside of these people's homes, just watching their homes until the light comes on and the dogs start barking and I move on to the next house, you know. And I'll never forget, you know, I was telling my wife, like, Man, I just got to show you some of these homes. And so one day, 
one day, instead of turning into my neighborhood, I went across the street and I said, I gotta show you this house, man. It's just my favorite house in the neighborhood. This is beautiful. Oh my goodness, you gotta see this house. And at night, it's just even more beautiful. And we pull up and she says, Sam, that's the same exact house that we live in. The same model, the same eaves, the same garage, the same stairs, the same really tall third story, you know, and it's like, and the next time I went running, I realized it is the same house. This, not, not like, oh, you can tell it was the same builder. The same exact house. So now I'm running and I'm on a mission. Now I'm like, I got to figure, what is it about this house that makes me love it? What is it about this house that makes me stop and stare? And I'm, and I'm looking at the way they cut the hedges and I'm looking at the, the cutting of the grass. I'm like, why does their house look so much more beautiful than my house? And I figured it out. I figured it out. And if you're here and this is your house, then I compliment you because you figured it out too. You know what made their house so much more beautiful than mine? They had uplighting. How many of you have uplights? You know what I'm talking about? I don't have uplights. Your boy didn't even know they existed because I don't have attention to detail. But once I realized it, I go, that's what it is. They had these little lights on the corner of their lawn. They had these little lights hiding behind their mailbox that at nighttime or early in the morning when I'm running, the lights shone on the house in such a way that highlighted its beauty. The uplights shone on the front of the house and they had a light on the, on the, a secret light on the stairs that like made the front door look so inviting. And there was something about the house that literally I would stop and stare at the beauty of the house. And it's all because they had uplights. And if you think about it, right, whether you have uplights on your front yard or whether or not you have uplights on your apartment, whatever it is, like, That's exactly how our lives work, don't they? Same exact house, same exact endeavor, same exact whatever it is, but our lives work like uplights. Wherever you are in your life, in this room, wherever you are in your faith, wherever the stage of your family is, all of us have an uplight of our life. We are pointing it at something. We are magnifying and drawing attention to something that causes people to stop and recognize and go, huh, that is really cool. And so if your life was an uplight, if your family unit was a set of uplights, if our church was an uplight, what is it? that we are magnifying? What is it that we are shining a light on that causes people to go, man, I've seen that house a million times, but this house, wow, it is beautiful. Sometimes we organize the uplights of our life in a way that draw people's attention to our abilities and to our achievements. Other times we, we organize the uplights of our family life so that people can stop and admire the experiences we have in the vacations so they can stop and ooh, and look what they did. Sometimes we organize the uplights of our lives because we want people to stop and stare and admire our success and our achievements. Or maybe you're here and you're, you're a brand ambassador and you're an influencer and you want people to recognize your sweatshirt line or your new wearable technology or, or the TV shows that you run, whatever it is. All of us are shining our uplights onto something. And by the end of this passage, this, these two little verses, we're going to see that God is calling you, wherever you are in your life this morning, you may not even be a person of faith, 
Maybe you're exploring, or maybe you're here and you've been a follower of Jesus for longer than I've been alive. Wherever you are, we're going to see in this passage that God is calling you, that he has designed you to shine the uplights of your life onto something that really is worth stopping and staring at. That God wants to use your life to cast a light and to draw attention on the only thing in this universe that is worth staring at and responding in worship. And so I'm gonna show you what it is, but before we get there, let's just read our passage and see what God would say to us. We're 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. This is God's word for East Point Church. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Lord, would you open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word. Change us, O God. Speak to us. And may we leave here differently than how we came in. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. All right, let's go slowly through these lines. And I want to show you what I see, because I think you'll see the exact same thing. Okay, so look at verse 10. Look how it starts. It says, as each has received a gift. Pause right there. First thing we see, each has received a gift. You're gifted. You're gifted. It says it here. Each has received a gift. You have abilities. You have something that you are good at. There is a gift mix. There is a particular set of talents that you have, and you did not acquire them by buying them. You did not acquire your particular gift mix just by reading a few books. You listened to some podcasts. You worked really hard. No, no, no. You have a gift, and that gift was received. Your gift was received. Each has received a gift. The word gift in the Greek, it's charismata. Charis means grace. Anybody named Charity here? Nope, we're not in the 90s. Okay, so Charity, grace. Charismata, literally a thing of grace. Your gift, your talent is a gift that is given to you by God's grace. You've been given a present purely from the kindness of God. A portion of his grace has been bestowed on you. It has been given to you so that you can accomplish something specific. Your gift is a manifestation of God's presence and grace in your life. And so tell me this, have you ever seen somebody do something You've just, you've seen them just, man, they're gifted and they, and they organize a party or they, or they diffuse a tense situation or, or they exercise leadership in a, in a really chaotic season. And you look at them and you go, wow, I could never do that. You ever been there? You admire someone else and you go, man, they're just naturals. Wow, look at the way they did that. It, they make it look easy. You're probably seeing their gift. You're seeing them operate out of the deposit of grace that God has given them. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum, right? Where you've been in situations where you do something like it's second nature. You're like, I could do that in my sleep, right? And you're doing it and somebody goes, wow, how did you do that? 
and you're like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's easy. No, it's not easy. That is your gift. That is your grace. That is God's kindness working in you to accomplish something. And so as we look around, we, we awe or we marvel or we notice other people's gifts and we haven't been graced in the same way because look what Peter says. He says, each has received a gift. Not a general deposit of grace on the church at large. There is a unique individual deposit of grace that each person in God's family receives. Let me put it this way. When you get your gift from dad, when you get your gift from your heavenly father, he's not just throwing them indiscriminately into the crowd. Headlamp for whoever catches it and headlamp for whoever catches it. No, no, no. Your gift has your name on it. Each has received a gift. Each has been knit together in their mother's womb with God's unique imprint, giving you your unique fingerprint of your gift mix and abilities. Each has received a gift. A gift. And as you look around, you, you see that the gift that you have is different than the gift that she has, is different than the gift that he has. Why? Because God's grace is a varied grace. Your gift mix, your ability doesn't look like mine because the gifts vary. The grace varies. They're unique. They're diverse. We, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with the body. Remember 1 Corinthians 12? Let's go back. Look what it says. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. There is a variety of the grace that God has given us. And so think about this, friends. What are your gifts? What's your gift? What is the unique ability that God has given you? What are the unique passions and the, the intersection of your passion and your competencies and your attitudes and all of these things? What is your gift? What deposit of God's grace has been given to you? You have one. Maybe you're here this morning and you go, man, I just, I've been told my whole life I have nothing to contribute. I've been told my whole, I've, I have felt my whole life, like, man, I don't really have a part to play and other people have gifts, but I just... I'm just me. What a beautiful verse here, right? In a world that tries to label people. Helpful, unhelpful. Useful, ah, taking up oxygen, right? What, what was it called during COVID? Indispensable workers? What was it? I'm, I'm a essential, essential, non-essential. I mean, that's what the world does. They try to rank your gifts and they try to make your, and he's saying, no, 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 no. I have given every single one of you a gift. I have given every single one of you something to contribute. Those of you who are aware of your gifts, can you just pause for a moment and recognize them for what they are? These are gifts from God. These were hand-picked, hand-selected gifts that my creator bestowed on me. And why? Why has God given you these gifts? Why has God put these individual abilities in our lives? Very simple, but very profound. Each has received a gift because he wants you to use your gift. He wants you to use it. Look what he says. He calls their attention to the gift in their hands, and then he says, use it. This is his instruction. 
Use it. The gift that is in your hand is not meant to lie dormant. It's not meant to just collect dust on the shelf. The gift that you've been given is not just to go on your trophy shelf. He says, I want you to employ what is in your hand. I want you to to use it. I want you to take it out. I want you to grow in, I don't know why I'm holding it like a sword. My gift is a sword. I don't know about yours, you know, but it's like I want you to grow in your competency. I want you to, to understand how to use your gift. Use it. And as you use it, you need to keep in mind two things, okay? The gift that you have in your hand is a matter of ministry, and it's also a matter of stewardship. The gift in your hand, you are to use it as a matter of ministry, and you're to use it as a matter of stewardship. Let's look at the first one. He says here, the gifts have been deposited into our lives for a purpose. He says, use it to what? To serve one another. The word serve, that Greek word in other places in the New Testament, you know how we translate that word? Minister. Ministry. He's saying, use your gift to do ministry to one another. He gave you gifts. He gave you abilities. You have your gift mix so that you can do ministry to the other people in your family of faith. He's put a gift in your hand. He's put a gift in my hand so that we could encourage one another, so that we could build one another up, so that we can take care of and bless each other. The gifts in our hands have been given to us so that we can support one another. So we can do ministry. I'm sure I'm not the only one here, but I will tell you, I need encouragement. How many of you would put yourself in that camp? I need encouragement. You know what else I need? I need to grow up. I need maturity. I need to grow in my marriage. I need to grow in my parenting. I need to grow in my leadership. I need to grow. I need endurance. I I need the ability to stand fast and to remain resolute until the day that Jesus Christ comes back. I need those things. And what the Bible is saying is that he has put a tool in your hand so that you can give them to me. The encouragement I need comes when you use your gift. The support and the endurance that you need comes when she uses her gift to serve you. The, 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 The overall just growth and maturity that we need comes when we use the gifts that have been put in our hands to do ministry to one another. So this is a paradigm shift, right? Because you walk into a church, and if somebody were to ask you, where are the ministers? Where would everybody point? To the front, right? Where are the ministers? Check out the website. There's three of them. No, no, no. Friends, where are the ministers? Where are the ministers? Again, that's a paradigm shift because that's not how we typically think about church in America. But I'm not interested in the church in America. I'm interested in the Bible. You are called to ministry. You have been given a gift, all hands on deck, to minister to one another. God has given you a gift. Why? So that you could serve your brothers and sisters. When I use my gift, you grow. When you use your gift, I grow. When we use our gifts, we become more mature, blessed, built up, and strengthened to endure. We've been given our gifts to serve one another. 
And how cool would it be, right? Like imagine two churches. Church A, everybody comes in with a posture of consuming. Everybody comes in with a posture. I put my feet up. I'm in a movie theater and I say, entertain me, pastor man. You know, and, it just, and we sit back and we go, I got my message for the week. Thank you. Now I'm going to go home. That's church A. Imagine church B who is leaning forward with a posture of selfless service, a church that is leaning forward and they engage in ministry to one another and they are using their gifts and they understand that they have a role to play. Which church is going to remind us of Jesus Christ more? Which church reminds us that we serve a God who came to earth not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many? Do you get it, guys? When we serve one another, when we as a congregation commit to a selfless, others-focused posture, we are literally reminding each other of the servant of all. We don't use our gifts in the kingdom to get God to love us. We use our gifts to demonstrate the fact that he already loves us. And when you do ministry, you're reminding me and him and her, you're reminding each other This is what Jesus is all about. Jesus lived a perfect life of obedience to the Father and a perfect life of service to others. And so we too want to be a church that grows in faith and reaches the world. Using your gift is a matter of ministry. But it's not just ministry. Look at the next part. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And he says, As good stewards. As good stewards. What's a steward? A steward is a person who has been entrusted with someone else's things and is supposed to accomplish with those things whatever the owner wanted. So a little over a year ago, I lost one of my mentors. He passed away. His name was Mr. Heller, my middle school band director, one of the greatest men I'll ever, ever know. And he passed away. He stood in my life since the time I was in seventh grade. Man, you ever see Mr. Holland's Opus? You know that movie? That was Mr. Heller, okay? And he passed away a little over a year ago. And I was shocked to find out um, that he left my children in his will for college expenses, right? He, like, left a gift toward them. And, and I was blown away, just weeping. of just like, wow, what a thoughtful man. You know, and it just, it just, it went a long way. But I got a call from Nick. And Nick was this guy's the steward of his estate. And what if Nick called me and said, Sam, what's up, man? I was looking through Mr. Heller's will, and uh, we're not going to go that direction. Here's what we're going to do instead. I don't actually know your kids, so no offense. They're out. I was thinking instead we could use the money, and we can go build a hospital, and we can do. Why can't Nick do that? Because it's not his stuff. Nick's job is to use Mr. Heller's possessions to accomplish Mr. Heller's will. You have been given a gift. And Peter reminds you to use it as good stewards. Use the gift he's given you. You do not have the right to determine whether or not you employ the gift. You do not have the right to determine what you want to accomplish with the gift. These are God's gifts. He's given them to you for a specific purpose. And our job as stewards is to say, Lord, you've put it in our hands. What's your purpose? What's your will? Are you using your gift, East Point Church, like a steward? Are you investing your gift? Are you fanning it into flame? Are you exercising your gift? Are you applying yourselves to growing in those gifts? 
Are you using the gift in your hand to accomplish the will of God? Or maybe you're here this morning and you would say, man, I got to be honest. My gift has fallen dormant. It's been a while since I've exercised my gift of leadership. It's been a while since I've used my gift of generosity. Man, I have fallen out of practice of exercising the gift of hospitality. I used to love using my gift of teaching. Man, I would come alive when I used to use my gift of evangelism. I remember I had the whole kingdom of God color-coded when I used my gift of administration. Maybe it's been a while. And Peter would just remind you, friend, there's no shame. Life happens. Be a good steward. I know that at some point, probably before Easter, (laughs) my dad's going to call me, and I'm going to have to pick up the phone and face the music. And what is my dad going to ask me? Sammy, how's the headlamp I gave you? (laughs) And I don't have the heart to tell him, I'm not running with a headlamp on. I can't run with something on my, I'd rather get like a weighted vest with colors. You know what I mean? But, but at some point my dad's going to call me. He's going to go, Sammy, are you using the gift I gave you? And I'm going to have to lie. No, I'm kidding. No. You know what I'm going to tell him? Actually, I'm just going to ask you right now. Does it work? Was this an effective illustration? Was, all right, good. Now I can tell my dad it worked. Thank you. I used it, dad. I used it and it worked for my sermon illustration. But listen to me. Listen, and my dad lives in Florida, so we're safe, okay? Uh, unless he visits. You're sworn to secrecy. Um, but listen, in the same way that my dad's going to ask me, have you used it? I imagine our Father in heaven looking at our congregation saying, East Point Church, how's the gift I gave you? East Point Church, are you using the gifts that had your name on it. East Point Church, how is it going as you use your gift to do ministry to one another? How are you stewarding the gift that I've given you? And I want to be able to say, without trying to find a loophole, the headlamp loophole, okay? I want to be able to say to the Father, I used what you've given me for your purposes. Is that what you want to say? Be a steward, East Point Church. And so each of us has been given a gift. Each of us are to use the gift. And now before I send you from here, before Peter sends us out to use our gifts, he says, there's one more thing. There's one more thing you have to remember. Do do it, use your gift in such a way that puts the glory in the right place. That's our final verse. Look at verse 11. He says this. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Final thing we have to know this morning is that as we use our gift, we must use uplights, not spotlights. We must use uplights, not spotlights. And so Peter says here, he says, and he uses two categories. He says, whoever speaks and whoever serves. Okay, and I don't think he's using these as two specific um, examples of gifts. I think he's using these in broad, general categories, right? So you can almost describe it as something like this. Whoever has upfront public gifts who get a lot of face time and those who serve behind the scenes, all right? 
I think that's how he's using these. And so for the first one, he says this, if your gift involves you talking, he says, whoever speaks, whoever's gift involved them proclaiming, speaking in an upfront role, here's what I want you to do. Take it seriously. Use your speaking gift in such a way that the gravitas of what is happening is not lost on you. Speak in such a way that when people hear you and walk away, they feel like I just heard oracles from God. It was as if God himself was talking to me. Not that I went to a really cool TED talk. I went in that place and I can't explain it. It was like the preacher was talking right to me because it was like, that's God speaking right to you. So if your gifts are public, upfront teaching gifts, more encouragement, talking gifts, where people can see you using your gift, use it in a way that leaves people feeling like they just heard from God. Because they did. Because it's his grace working through you. We want people to leave with their eyes on the glory of God not the giftedness of the speaker. We want to use our public speaking gifts to shine up lights on his goodness, not a spotlight of ours. So whoever speaks, let him speak as one who speaks the oracles of God. But then he shifts because it's not only those with public gifts that need to keep the glory in the right space. Look what he says. He goes, now whoever serves... We're all called to serve, but he's speaking specifically here. These are the Acts chapter 6 types of service. These are the gifts in the body. These are those of you who have, like in Acts 6, the ability to administrate and organize maybe the behind-the-scenes infrastructure of the family of God. All right? We see in Acts chapter 6, some of the apostles were preaching. So Peter is preaching on a rooftop. But then there were people who needed to organize the distribution of food and the benevolence fund so that way the widows were being cared for. Because ain't nobody listening to a 45-minute sermon from Peter if they're hungry. Amen. All of the gifts are needed. And so we see in Acts 6 the emergence of gifts that are maybe not as public but just as essential. And so those of you who serve, those of you who have gifts that are behind the scenes, here's what I want you to do. If you're gifted in these ways... Do your gift with an energy and with a strength that points us back to the giver of the gift. Use your skills, use your abilities in a way with an active awareness and a dependence on the strength that God supplies, not in your own competencies. Even behind the scenes, you must be careful to exercise a level of humility that says, if it were not for God's grace, my ability to organize, administrate, and execute would be ineffective for lasting change. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain, no matter how organized my blueprints were. Unless the Lord builds the house, ain't nothing going to happen, no matter how organized I was and color-coded and alphabetized, right? And we tend to think we can administrate ourselves to the kingdom. It's God. It's God who's doing everything. Jesus Christ is the lead pastor of this church. He is the head and his spirit is in us, animating each of us to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. And so whether your gift is up front with a lot of FaceTime or behind the scenes where no one sees you, Use your gift. Conduct yourself in such a way that in everything, God may be glorified. 
conduct yourself in such a way that people, they stop and they stare at the goodness of God. That your gift would be used in such a way that it would cause more and more people to come and to admire and to adore. Wow, God really is good. And they can say to you, thank you for helping me see his goodness. That's the best compliment you can ever give. If anybody ever serves you, if anybody is ever exercising their gift, whether it's public speaking or behind the scenes, what if we just had a church where we said, thank you for helping me see God more clearly? Wouldn't that be a great way to practice affirmation for those who are not God? And then we don't have to be the, we don't have to be the church that's like, well, it's not me, brother, it's the Lord. No, hey, yeah, God used me, thank you, but to him be the glory, right? And we don't have to be the other church that ignores everybody's giftedness and we don't affirm one another. Thank you for helping me see God more clearly. Thank you for showing me how good he is. Would that not be the best compliment you can get when you use your gifts? Hey, kids ministry teachers, as I'm picking up my kid, thank you for helping them see Jesus more clearly. Hey, musicians, I'm not going to say, what a killer solo guitarist. I'm going to say, hey, thank you for helping me see Jesus more clearly. Hey, preacher, thank you for helping me see Jesus more clearly. Hey, community group leader, thank you for helping me see Jesus more clearly. Hey, you who just hosted and made the most bomb dinner I could have ever had in my life, thank you for helping me see and taste the goodness of God more clearly. That's what this is all about. We want to use our gifts in a way that when people come in contact with your life, they walk away saying, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We have an opportunity here at East Point Church on the Eastern Shore. We have an opportunity in this community. We have an opportunity right here at the YMCA to live our lives in such a way that the uplights of our life point to the beauty and the glory of God, which is seen most clearly in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, here's our opportunity. We get to use our gifts for his glory. Use your gift for his glory as a matter of ministry, as a matter of stewardship. Use your gift for his glory. And in conclusion, I want to take us back to where we started a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of the year. Do you remember I gave you three options? There's three ways that we can approach the mission. There are three ways that we can run after the things that we feel like God is calling us to run after. Number one, everybody hold up your finger, and I want you to point to me. Number one, You do it. That's the first strategy. You, the the professional at the front of the room, the pastor, you go out there and kiss babies and and sign things and show up to ribbon-cutting ceremonies and and just be the face of ministry. And what will we do? We will watch you dance. Second strategy, here's what we can do. I want you to take that same finger and I want you to point up and I want you to do a little circle, right? Who does the ministry? They do it. The church The organization does it. The paid professionals and the programs, they do it. It's not my mission. It's theirs. And what do I do? I I help. I'm just a cog in the ministry machine. I'll I'll just keep things going so that the church, the church can do it. Give me that same finger. There's a third option. Number three, I do it. He does it. She does it. We do it. Each and every single person who is gifted by the grace of God, each and every single one of you that has the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you literally have the spirit of the creator inside of you. That's crazy. And he has called you 
to ministry. And so what gifts and abilities has God put in you? And I'll tell you this right now. I'm going to be very transparent with you. Where we're going, we need all of you. Just last night, I was, I was journaling. And again, just for the sake of transparency, I have been dealing with a level of anxiety. Um, I've been very nervous. I don't know why. I haven't known why. I just, I just feel nervous. I, I feel a level of angst. And I, and I told my wife last night as we were going to bed, I got to just journal a little bit and, and write myself clear. And I, and I prayed and I realized what's been making me nervous. Can I tell you? I've been very nervous because where God is calling us to go, I've never been there. I've never been there. It's not often that I find myself in a place as a leader going, I don't even know what that looks like. You know what I mean? And that's a very scary feeling for me. And I realized that I've just had this low-grade sense of anxiety and nervousness. because, Like I wrote last night in my journal, I said, Lord, it feels like I'm writing a check that I can't cash. And I felt like the Lord just speak to me and go, good, because only I can cash it. And so with the Lord, and we'll talk more about this at Vision. I'll, I'll share more details on Saturday, but I just realized two things, right? The sense and size of this vision, number one, it's going to create a sense of prayerful dependence, right? Like I actually decided last night with my wife, I said, my spiritual growth plan for 2024 is going to be to depend on God in prayer because I need to. I, I'm, I'm telling, there's no way that I can just organize or lead or, or educate or mentor myself in a way to just go, oh yeah, boom, done. It's going to take the Lord. If he doesn't go before us, we're sunk. But the second thing that this big vision does to us, it, it creates a prayerful dependence, but it also leads us to be an active and engaged body. It's going to take all of us. This is not the kind of vision that just a few paid professionals can do. It's going to take every single follower of Jesus using the gifts with which they have been equipped. It's going to take all of you having an all-hands-on-deck mentality. It's going to take all of us understanding, I am called to ministry. I am called to reach this community. I am called to reach my own unique circle of influence. You're called. Each of you have a congregation. Do you know that? More paradigm shifts. Each of you have a congregation. Each of you have five to 10 to 15 to 20 people that the Lord has put in your life. And you are smack dab in the middle so you can reach them. We like to say it this way. We are moving toward a future where every single person on the Eastern shore lives within the circle of influence of a growing follower of Jesus. That's the mission. Not bigger events, not a billboard on Route 50, not Sam going and shaking hands through the community. It's every single follower of Jesus committing to a life of growth and then going where the Spirit leads them in their circle of influence. And friends, if we're going to go where God is calling us, all hands on deck. All hands on deck. It's going to take us committing to use our gift for his glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I say this now publicly, and I, and I say this every day from now on privately. Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord, you are calling us to go to places that we have not gone yet as a church, as a people. You are calling us to do things 
because you want to do a new work on the eastern shore. And Father, we just admit very humbly, there's no part of us that says, Psh, got this. God, we, we know that you want to do more than we can imagine. We know that you want to do beyond anything we could even think of. And so, Lord, we say, do it, Lord. Send us. We will obey. But, oh, God, go before us. Father, I thank you that you have already gifted and equipped this church with just wonderful, wonderful gifts of grace. Lord, what a privilege it is to lead such a gifted congregation. I think of the Corinthian church where Paul says, you lack nothing. Everything we need is in the house. Every gift we need to do this mission has already been gifted to people in this room. I just pray that you would use us, wake us up, empower us. Lord, I think of the body. Would you take those paddles and just zap us to life and awaken us and energize us? May every single person in this room experience the joy of using their gift for your glory. And when we get there, when it's time to to seek your face for the next mountain to take, for the next initiative, for the next piece of vision. May we remember this moment where we said, man, I remember when I felt like that was impossible, but glory be to God. He has done what he said he would do. May our gifts be used for your glory so that the entire Eastern Shore would say to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And the church of God said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.